my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 476. It's been a little bit of a, a, a time between the last episode. I uh, We'll see how it goes. I'm a bit out of practice, not going to lie, wearing a massively oversized, loose-fitting T-shirt. Uh, I'm obsessed with these things. I keep wearing them constantly. I, I may or may not have bought a couple. Definitely a size too big. Definitely way more comfortable. I That's like a life hack I wish I'd known when I first moved to Hawaii, actually. Hey, when you're hot, wear loose-fitting clothing and wear dark colors so no one can see you sweat and you sweat less anyway. I don't know. Little things I'm learning now after a year living here. I'm like, ah, ha-ha. I'm tired of being sweaty and hot. How do you fix it? Here you go. Um, here's the question I want to start with today. We're going to start with something light. And that light's the wrong word, but definitely it's not heavy. And the second thing we need to talk about today, I would definitely categorize as something heavy. So we'll start with something lighter. Here is the question I want to ask you guys, the audience, and I will share my answer. Did Tom Brady push Bruce Arians out of Tampa? The Buccaneers coach announced his retirement at kind of a weird time. Uh, there's a ton of speculation, a lot of rumors across the NFL, and you know, no one retires during the NFL owners' meetings. That's very bizarre. The fact that Bruce Arians did, that's weird. I think it's okay to ask questions. Um, how do you make sense of this? This is what I believe. This is a story I tell myself. Obviously, in my opinion, Bruce Arians retiring was a direct response to Tom Brady Returning to the NFL, he found out, oh, Tom Brady's coming back. Well, unfortunately, that means peace out for B.A. Uh, Bruce was known for his laid-back style. And uh, Tom Brady, not so much. Tom Brady, I love Tom. He's my favorite player of all time. Let's be honest, though. Tom Brady's demanding. Tom Brady asks a lot of the people around him. He asks a lot of commitment from the people around him. And in that way, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady were always kind of a weird fit. I mean, Bruce Arians is known for not allowing people to, quote, sleep at the office. He's like, go to your kids' recitals. Go to your kids' baseball games. Be a dad. Be involved in your family's life. Tom Brady's like, oh, I'm sleeping at the office every night. I watch film all night. I'm total dedication there's a different energy to the way they approach their work ethic. And I think that Bruce Arians found out Tom Brady's coming back. He heard that and thought, eh, I'm good. I want an easier life. And that's not bad. I don't, there's no shade against Bruce Arians for wanting a different lifestyle than the one of coaching Tom Brady. I, I can imagine Tom is hard to work with in, in the way that he is going to be constantly driving for perfection. And if you don't want that, that's, that's a lot of work, man. That's, that's tough. And I think, honestly, that Bruce Arians wasn't up for the intensity of working with Tom Brady, the intensity required for that. I don't think B.A. wanted that. Then on top of that, you have this responsibility to the people under you. Bruce always talks about that. The coaching staff beneath him, all the people whose jobs depend on him working for the team. And, you know... Bruce is still involved in Tampa. It's not like he's leaving the organization. He's just now taking a, a backseat a little bit, moving into the front office, working as a consultant, basically. 
And I think it's weird that people say that, you know, Tom Brady forced Bruce Arians to retire. Here's the thing about that. If that was true, we would know that. Because say what you want about Bruce Arians. I watched Bruce Arians broadcast in the brief time he was out of coaching. He didn't work very well because he has a mouth. He's very honest. He's very open. And he, he frankly swears a lot. And people on TV don't like that. I cannot imagine a world where Tom Brady forced out Bruce Arians and Bruce Arians wouldn't tell us about it. He'd be like, yeah, here's what happened. It was horrible. Screw Tom Brady. Screw it. Like he would tell us if that was true. I just don't believe in a world where Bruce Arians wouldn't defend himself like that. Now, Bruce was recently misquoted in a way that really frustrates me, and it really shows, I think, the state of um, – there is no sports journalism anymore. Like, not really. It's sports media. There's a couple people out there on the planet who are actually uncovering stories and interviewing people. Most people just repeat shit, say their opinions, stuff like me. I'm not a journalist. I'm a part of the media. Uh, people are saying – here that he, people are quoting Bruce Arians saying this. They're saying – Bruce said, he said, she said, people are saying that Bruce said, Tom Brady gets too much credit for the Buccaneers' success. And, and like, kind of. That's kind of true. That's kind of what Bruce Arians said. Here's what Bruce really said. And the real quote is, Tom Brady and I get way too much credit for what Byron Leftwich does. You know what's happening in that quote? He's praising the offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich. He's not attacking Tom Brady. He's just saying, look, we're the big figures in Tampa. Bruce Arians, head coach, Tom Brady, the quarterback. This guy deserves a lot of credit. Byron Leftwich, he's kicking tail. He's killing it. I didn't want to say kicking it. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to cuss on my show. Um, and look, I realize NFL news has slowed down a lot. Uh, I think there are a lot of shows out there that record three hours a day, five days a week. And I don't know that we need that in this industry. I'm honestly like, look, uh, if you're a football person, there's like 10 things that are really relevant right now in the world. And we'll see you in like another month when there's a more, you know what I mean? Like, I hate to say that about my job. I'm the guy talking about sports for a living, but I'm not going to make up stuff. And I think people kind of are with the Tom Brady, Bruce Arians thing. They're like, look, there's nothing going on. Well, I heard from a random person who works in ticket sales that, Maybe Tom Brady doesn't like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, come on, where's this coming from? It's annoying. People are trying to create drama where it just isn't. And again, I, I, look, if, if Brady really did force Bruce Arians out, we would know that. He would go down fighting. My belief is that, once again, I'll say this again, Bruce Arians just knew he didn't want to give the intensity required to work with Tom Brady anymore. He wanted an easier life. Hey, if Jimmy Garoppolo had been the quarterback in Tampa this year, a little bit different than coaching Tom Brady. Different expectations, different commitment level, different everything. And I don't blame Bruce for wanting an easier life. That's totally okay. But I just, I, I, I'm not convinced that the mighty Tom Brady forced out Bruce Aaron and said, get out of here. I, I don't think they hate each other. I just think one of them was like, look, I, I'm, I'm old and I'm tired. And I don't want this fight anymore. I, I am ready to go golf a little more, hang out with my family a little bit more. 
I've been injured. I remember the videos of Bruce Aarons on the sideline, all, all injured and in a cast. And he's been through a bunch. I think he just doesn't want the, the intensity anymore. So that's, what I, that's how I make sense of all this Tom Brady, Bruce Aarons drama. Okay, are you ready for the heavy thing? We got to do it now. Um, drop the mood a little bit. Turn on the candlelights, maybe. No, nah, no, nah, it's not a thing. I don't know. Um, NFL quarterback Dwayne Haskins has died. He was hit by a car early Saturday morning. He was uh, 24 years old. And it's a tragic reminder of how short life is and how nothing is guaranteed. My little brother died at 17 years old. And when... Someone has a surprising death that you're not prepared for. It's, it's really different. Like not being prepared. You know, I, I don't want to compare deaths, but my grandma died. She was 95. I said goodbye to my grandma every time I left her house. And I knew mm, this could be the last time I see grandma. It's different when you're not prepared for it. And I, I think of his parents, man, Dwayne Haskins' parents. It's heartbreaking. Um, I, 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 I watched my parents go through losing a son. It's awful. Now, I have more human stuff to talk about, but there's been an interesting debate in the wake of his death. And I don't know why we had to have this the day of his death, but it happened. You got to talk about it, I guess. There's been an interesting debate about how will Dwayne Haskins be remembered? I saw a really toxic side of our society. When the news broke Saturday morning that Dwayne Haskins had died, uh, people are, were saying stuff like, who cares? He's a bust. It's wildly inappropriate and insensitive. Um, I don't know. I think of those people, and I don't, I'm not really mad at them. I don't really have any anger. I just don't have the energy to get mad at people anymore. But I go, man, how did we screw up so badly that someone can die and you're like flippantly don't care about it? I think the reality is that <laughs> we treat athletes like they're Madden characters in just a video game or sports cards you hold or just numbers in fantasy football. No, no, no. These are, these are people. These are human beings. And Dwayne Haskins accomplished a lot. I mean a lot on the football field. More than most people who will ever play the quarterback position. Certainly more than you and prop. Probably certainly more than me, probably more than you. I don't know how many people are listening that have accomplished the stuff I'm about to say. Dwayne Haskins was an NFL quarterback who made millions of dollars. He was a starter at the Ohio State University. He was the Rose Bowl MVP, a first round pick in 2019 by so many metrics. He was a massive success in the football world. Uh, now, he was drafted by Washington, and it did not work. But we also never really got to see where things were headed. We, we, we'll never really know how the Dwayne Haskins career story could have ended or, or where it could have gone. I'll say this. He had a shot this year in Pittsburgh. Him, Mitchell Trubisky, I guess Mason Rudolph. Like There was a battle going on there, and we don't really know how it would have played out. And I like, I like believing that. I like hanging on to it. We, we don't really know what could have become of Dwayne Haskins. Now, uh, 
<laughs> Believe it or not, Dwayne Haskins was more than a football player. Oh, 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 he was a human being. And from all accounts, Dwayne Haskins appeared like a guy who was fun-loving, good-hearted. People liked him, joking, like a, a, a cool guy to be around, a positive influence on people's lives. And uh, death is awful. It's very sad, this whole story. You know, we, we lost – I played quarterback in college – we lost a fellow quarterback, and a pretty damn good one at that. It's easy in the sports world to dehumanize people, athletes, coaches, general managers. Um, but these are not just figures for our entertainment. And I'm not going to lie. I've been having a hard time with this entire thing, this sports media world. How do you navigate it? Um, my job is to talk about people in sports. And I love the story. Sometimes the story isn't a good one. And then what do you do? It's awful. It's hard. And I've been getting more and more worn down by kind of the culture and the way we treat athletes and the way we talk about them and dehumanize them. And it's been a weird couple weeks for me. I've been really just kind of analyzing who I am and who I am as a content creator and how I want to talk about athletes. And, um, I want to end this segment with a quote from Jordan Fuller. Jordan Fuller said this about Dwayne Haskins. He said, one of my college teammates, excuse me, he said one of my college roommates, they live together. So Jordan Fuller said, one of my college roommates, we played in the same eighth grade all-star game. We talked about a reunion trip during one of these off seasons, and it felt like we had time. Uh, look, guys, life is short. Enjoy it. Make sure you tell the people you love that you love them. Make sure they know you love them. Try to do good. Hope for happiness. And, uh, man, don't take this brilliant opportunity we have on planet Earth. Don't take it for granted. Uh, life is precious. This is a very sad story. I, I, I saw Dwayne Haskins died, and I was like, hmm. Died way too young. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. I would have loved to talk to him. I, he's the kind of person. That's the kind of person I want to interview in the sports world. The person who goes to Washington, a first-round pick, and it doesn't work out. How does that affect you? What do you learn from that? I, I would have loved to meet the guy and, and hear about his journey. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a, a wild roller coaster of a journey and um, high highs and low lows and the world can learn from a person with that kind of story. And I'm, I'm really sad he's gone and I'll never be able to interview him. Um, I, it wasn't really on the table anyway, but I, I'm telling you, I just, there, were, there was something there with that guy that we'll never, we'll never, we'll never learn more. Um, and, and that's what makes me really sad. It's tragic that um, not only his career and his story, but his life came to an end so early. And, uh, it, it, man, if you were one of those people who was like, oh, he's a bust, who cares? I'm a Washington fan. He never gave me what I wanted. If that's your attitude, man, I, I'm thinking about you. I don't, I'm really sorry that something happened in your life to get you where you think that way. Um, but it's a, it's a really tragic story. And, uh, Dwayne, uh, hope you rest in peace. <laughs> well, what do you say after that? How do, you, how do you follow that up? I don't know. 
Um, let me drink some water. We'll talk about a big trade in the NFL. There was a big trade in the NFL that I haven't talked about yet. Let's dive in. The Saints in Philly made a trade. Philly got the 18th overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. A third round pick. A seventh round pick. A 2023 next year. First round pick. And a 2024 second round pick. Here's what the New Orleans Saints got. They got the number 16 overall pick, the number 19 overall pick, and a sixth rounder. Um, so I got to text that. Check that. So Philly now has uh, two first-round picks. They also have uh, two first-round picks next year as well. Remember, Philly had three first-round picks this year. I was very curious to see what they did. Here is what they ultimately did with those picks. They, they traded two of them or two, one of them away and downsized a little bit built for their future. Um, I think this trade is great for both sides because what Philly can do here, Philadelphia can give Jalen Hurts, their starting quarterback, another year to see, is he going to be our franchise guy or not? The draft this year for quarterbacks isn't that great. Jalen's probably better than all those options. You got another year with Jalen Hurts. You basically delay your audition plan another year. And if Jalen is not the guy, you got a couple of first-run picks next year where you can either draft a quarterback or package them together and move up in the draft to get a quarterback. You got options. And the Saints have two first-run picks this year as well. And what New Orleans has done is created a really fun storyline for the upcoming NFL draft. Will they build around Jameis Winston or will they go get a quarterback? There's a lot of options here. A lot of ways this could play out. They need a receiver, and they need a left tackle. They could get both of them in the first round. Um, I, I think that, hey, you build around Jameis, get a left tackle, get a big receiver. You're not a bad football team. Like There's a lot going for the New Orleans Saints if they just invest in the team they already have. Now, they could use one of those picks. on a, they, they get a left tackle, or they get a receiver, and then they use the second pick on like Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett or something like that. I don't know, man, Kenny Pickett instead of Jameis, is that really an upgrade? That's a weird one to me. I wouldn't feel pretty weird about that. Um, I, I mean, maybe Jameis will make – it's very possible Kenny Pickett's a better decision maker than Jameis, but Jameis is way more talented. It's a weird trade-off there. That would be an interesting debate to have. I don't want to have it today. Uh, if New Orleans really likes one guy, maybe they love Malik Willis, they could package their two first-round picks together – and move up in the draft to go get Malik Willis or go get Matt Corral. So I'm excited, man. The NFL draft at the end of the month is going to be, oh, it's going to be really exciting. I cannot wait. I, I'm so looking forward to it. And uh, that trade made it even more interesting. Let me check my text real quick. Okay. Okay, my plans moved back an hour. So I was worried meeting up with a friend. And uh, <laughs> she said, uh, hey, can we, can we move our plans back a, uh, another hour? And I'm like, good, because I'm in the middle of recording. I literally don't want to leave right now anyway. Um, Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stefan Diggs got a big new payday. Here are the details of his new contract. And by the way, Stefan Diggs still has two years left on his current contract. Uh, so what the Buffalo Bills did is added four more years on top of the two he already had on his contract to make it a four-year, $96 million contract extension. Um, again, he's already got a two-year, $25 million deal. So he's, he's going to be 
making a lot of money in the next six years of his life. And I got to say, the Stefan Diggs contract is very, very reasonable. I am a massive fan of this. I, for so many reasons, um, he's going to be well paid, but he's not going to be the highest paid receiver. And I don't always understand the game of trying to be the highest paid in your field. It's very ego driven. Uh, and that's kind of weird to me. This specific situation with Stefan Diggs, you could make an argument. I don't know that it's true, but if you want to really have a debate, you could argue that Stefan Diggs is the best receiver in the NFL. I don't know that I'd agree with you, but he's, he's like right there. He's right in that top couple guys. You could argue that, well, if he was really motivated, he could demand the biggest contract for a receiver in NFL history. And, and maybe he has a shot at getting it. But I love this one because everybody wins here. It makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, he gets to be paid a lot. I don't know why you care about being the highest paid receiver. But he's going to get he's set for life. Whenever he's done playing, he's going to make bucket loads and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, and, and here's the, the thing that I, <laughs> I think it, people for some reason don't value quality of life. Stefan Diggs has got a great quality of life now. He's going to be set for life whenever he's done playing. And in the meantime, between now and his retirement, he gets to play in Buffalo on a team that's going to win a lot of games in the next couple of years. And here's the biggest key. He's going to have Josh Allen as his quarterback, throwing him the football. Life is good for Stefan Diggs. Set for life, going to enjoy the journey, Play with a great quarterback. It's amazing what having a good quarterback can do for a star receiver. Hey, remember Cooper Cup? I've talked about Cooper Cup before. I'm, I'm a big fan of Cooper Cup. I don't think the NFL world knew Cooper Cup very well until he got Matthew Stafford. And then he went from, wow, he's pretty good, to, oh my gosh, Cooper Cup is a top five receiver in the NFL. Super Bowl MVP. Wow. He, he exploded. Isn't that funny? Oh, the star receiver gets a star quarterback, and suddenly we're very aware of how good Cooper Cup is. A similar comparison is I don't think people realize how good the Denver Broncos receiving core really is. Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are unbelievable. And yet, I was talking to a Raiders fan literally yesterday. I'm at his house, and he's like, oh, the Raiders don't have good receivers. I'm like, what are you talking about? What? He doesn't know, and I don't blame him because he's had Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and Case Keenum and <laughs> Joe Flacco throwing them the ball for years. They haven't had a good quarterback in a long time in Denver. But now they're going to have Russell Wilson, and you're going to see. People are going to realize, oh, wow, Jerry Duty's pretty dang good. Cortland Sutton, wow. it's huh. When he's got Russell Wilson throwing him moon balls, you're like, well, he's pretty dang good. Having a great Receiver, sorry, great quarterback. Having a great quarterback can make a receiver's life way better, and you'll get way more recognition. So I'm very happy for Stephon Diggs. He says he wants to retire in Denver. I think that's a very reasonable desire. Sorry, Denver. I, I'm, I was reading my notes literally. I'm trying to do both. Stephon Diggs said he wants to retire in Buffalo. There we go. Got it right that time. He wants to retire in Buffalo. I think that's very possible. It's very likely. And in my book, he gets points for 
not playing that silly ego-driven game of trying to be the highest paid in your field. I, 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 I don't mean to sound idiotic. I don't, people always get mad when I talk about other people's money. But really, what is the difference in your quality of life making $24 million a year or $28 million a year or $29 million a year? Right? Like, hey, you do that for four years, you're set for life either way. And if you invest it right, the difference doesn't even matter. So, like, I, I don't know, man. I, uh, look, I, I, I think Stefan Diggs has done a very wise thing here. Signed a big contract. He's going to be set for life when he's done. Gets to have a lot of fun in me- the meantime. And being in a good environment, having a happy life, that's so valuable. And people just don't talk about that enough. We talk about the money. We don't talk about how you're making that money. He's going to have a really good next six years of his life. He's 28 years old. Uh, in 2020, by the way, Stefan Diggs led the NFL in yards and catches. Uh, he was near the top again last year. And Buffalo, frankly, should probably be, if not a Super Bowl favorite, maybe the Super Bowl favorite for 2022. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, I'm pumped for the Buffalo Bills. I'm pumped for Stefan Diggs. A lot of reasonable money being thrown around. That's a, one of the, I don't always praise big contracts. I mean, he's like, well, that's a lot of money. Wow, good for the player. It's a rare moment where they both win, the team and the player. They locked down a great player for a long time. He locks down a very sensible, reasonable contract. He'll be set for life. I love, love, love the Stefan Diggs contract. And let's see if they can get a Super Bowl out of it. That would be, that'd be really, really cool. Okay, uh, after the Stefan Diggs contract, everyone's attention shifted to the few remaining receivers who are next to get big contracts. Guys like A.J. Brown in Tennessee, uh, Terry McLaurin in Washington, D.K. Metcalf in Seattle, and then the big one, Debo Samuel in San Francisco with the 49ers. I am here to tell you that there might be a Debo Samuel trade a Bruin. Like, it's been a crazy offseason. A lot has happened. This could be the next big domino that we go, wow! And the Tyree Kill trade very much surprised me. I was caught off guard. I was like, oh, wow. I thought, honestly, I, I know for a long time I was talking about how, hey, we better appreciate this trio. Travis, Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes. You don't know how long they're going to be together. I didn't know that would end this offseason. I was, I was like, at least we got another year, hopefully. No, 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 it's over. I'm not going to let that, this one sneak up on me this time. The, the signs are all there. Debo Samuel wants more money, and he's disgruntled with the 49ers. He deleted basically any record that he plays for San Francisco from his social media. Pictures, references to them in his bio. Um, all, game day pictures are gone. He unfollowed the team. Debo Samuel sending a message any way he can to the 49ers organization, and I do not blame the guy. In fact, let me be clear. I fully, fully support Debo Samuel here. He's 26 years old, turned 26 in January, recently 26. He's a very young guy. He's on a rookie contract. And the 49ers have leaned more and more heavily on him. I think of, I had a pitcher in, uh, when I played eighth grade baseball who threw like, just, he had the, the strongest arm of anybody in our league. And we rode him through the playoffs. Like they're like, hey, Tyler's pitching today. We're going to win. Like, we were very, you know, and we, we leaned on Tyler. We used him all the time because he was dominating. The 49ers have leaned on Debo Samuel because he is dominating. 
Last year, he ran the ball 59 times for 365 yards and eight touchdowns. That's <laughs> eight touchdowns is a pretty good year for most running backs, let alone a guy who plays, quote, receiver. At receiver, he had 77 catches for another 1,405 yards and another six touchdowns. So Debo Samuel is getting the pitch count is incredibly high for him. He's get, touching the ball a bunch. He was the heart and soul of the 49ers offense last year. And look, he wants to be paid like it. I think he deserves it. He's being used as a running back and a receiver, getting hit a bunch. Wear and tear is being put onto his body. It's going to shorten his career. And, and by the way, football careers are already short. I understand wanting to make your money before you miss your opportunity. He wants to cash out. He wants to make sure that when he's done, he can look back and go, I'm set for life. I took care of my family, took care of my kids, took care of my mother, my family, whatever. And uh, he's on a rookie contract. He's made, I mean, for you and me, good money, but for an NFL player, he's nowhere near the top. And he's playing like it. I, I support his desire to want to be set for life. I'm like, yeah, he deserves it. Pay him the money. Here's the problem. I don't think he's going to get paid his worth in San Francisco. There's basically no other player like him. And I think in order to get paid the way that's comparable to his special skill set, to get paid his worth, he's going to have to get traded. And uh, this one's being telegraphed from a mile away. Look, again, Tyreek Hill surprised me. This is the one. I'm like, look, the signs are all there. He's not getting paid his worth. He's getting used a bunch. He's sending a message to the team. I would love to see Debo Samuel in Miami. Can you imagine? He gets to reunite with his former offensive coordinator, Mike McDaniels, in Miami. Jalen Hill, Tyreek, sorry, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, Debo Samuel. I mean, there's already no excuse for Tua to be bad next year. But are you kidding me? How fun would that be? And Miami is already very interesting. If they can add Debo Samuel, they would be must-watch TV. And I, I want that to happen. I'm rooting for that. Make, can we make it happen? Can we get Debo Samuel to Miami? I'm not a Dolphins fan, but that sounds the most chaotic and fun place to send him. He'd have an offensive coordinator. Who knows how to use him? And, uh, man, that is what I am very much rooting for. I want Debo Samuel to go to Miami. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you now, I think a trade could happen. I would not be shocked at all. And uh, you've been warned. I want to give a shout out to Kyle Brandt. Kyle Brandt is a broadcaster on Good Morning Football. It's an NFL Network show. Hey, Kyle Brandt, round of applause for Kyle Brandt. The dude is so good at his job. I saw this man do a segment breaking down the 2022 NFL coaches pick. And this is something that it's a it's a picture. Pure hilarity, great content. I, I was blown away. I don't think I could make a long segment about a picture. I'd be like, oh, look, look at this picture. You got Kyle Brandt's creative self breaking it down, talking about how we got to rearrange people. It's go go look up Kyle Brandt breaks down the coach's pick. Absolutely hilarious, Kyle Brandt. I am in awe. Uh, you're great at your job. He brings the energy every single day. I love the guy. And uh, shout out to Kyle Brandt. Okay, uh, it is time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. I, I usually have notes telling me what to say here. It's just a blank piece of paper. I've got to put the notes in. Uh, the way Ask Zach works is you give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. 
It literally helps pay my rent, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, uh, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple to read at the end of the show. And uh, today's the first question from Thomas. Wow. I, see, I need my notes. I'm stumbling already. Uh, so patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You can find it. Thomas writes in first today. He says, you're eating chicken wings. What's better? Flats or drums? I had to Google that. What's a flat? What's a drum? I, I, somehow, my life of eating chicken wings, I missed that one. Uh, I quickly realized, oh, that makes sense. It's exactly what it is. A drum is a drumstick. A flat is like the little, I don't even know. It's the flatter one, right? Like you have, you have bone-in wings on your plate. You know what a drumstick is? And the other one is called a flat. And you ask me which one. I can't decide. I think both are great. In fact, I, I think... If I had a plate of all one or all the other, I'd be disappointed. I think you need both of them to make it a good experience for me. Um, you know, drumsticks are easier to get a big, like, bite. And you feel like a barbarian, like, yeah, you rip off the drumstick with your mouth. Like, that's a fun feeling. But I wouldn't want that all the time because there's this really satisfying moment when you clean all the meat off of uh, a flat. So to answer your question, Thomas, I had to Google that. It was kind of fun. I would say you need both a drum and a flat, and, and I'll, that's what I'll pick is I need both. If I have one or the other, I would actually want to uh, – I would not enjoy the experience as much as I knew I could be enjoying it. Harrison writes in. It's a long one. Harrison's in Australia, down under. Um, Harrison says, hi, Zach. I finally joined the Patreon community after listening to you for the last year and a half. Sorry it took me so long to jump on board. No problem. Hey, Thomas. I'm glad you're here. Welcome, and never feel guilty for, uh, for freeloading. No problem. Uh, sorry. I, I stole that from a, a podcast I listened to. They always talk about their, their non-Patreon people as freeloaders, and uh, you guys are not. I, any way you want to listen to the show or support the show, I'm happy. Thomas says, I'm a massive fan of your content, both Strong Opinion Sports and Zach Schaumler talking, and I'm a huge Giants fan from Australia, down under. I often wake up at 3 a.m. to watch games live, and it's been a massive effort to do so these last few years due to how bad we've become as a team and organization. Yeah, 3 a.m. to watch a Giants game? Wow. My question for you is, do you think Daniel Jones has a legitimate NFL future? I like how we brought in Tyrod Taylor this offseason because I feel like he will really push DJ during camp, and Tyrod has proven he can be a serviceable quarterback in this league if DJ doesn't work out. I personally think Daniel Jones can improve and be a good quarterback if given better protection and if our weapons around him can stay healthy. Example, uh, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney. I truly believe that if we moved off of Daniel Jones, he could go somewhere and have a Ryan Tannehill-like resurgence. What are your thoughts on this statement? And keep up the great content, mate. I appreciate you. Hmm. Okay, here's what I'll say. Um... Daniel Jones has a ton of potential. I think you're right about that. I, I see a possibility where Daniel Jones becomes the franchise guy that we think he could become in New York. He's a great athlete. He's a smart guy. I, I'm very excited to see what Brian Dable can do with him. Brian Dable is a head coach now in New York. He was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo with Josh Allen. He developed Josh Allen into, into an elite quarterback. And Josh Allen worked his butt off, did a lot of stuff with Jordan Palmer, like, it's not all the credit going to the coach, but the coach did something right there. And I could see a world where he does something right with Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones explodes and is really, really good. Because the 
the ability is there. He fumbles too much, but he can run. Um, I'd love to see him extend plays a little more, do some different stuff. I, I think with a good coach helping him out and giving him advice and, and working with him, you could get a lot out of that kid. That's a weird to call him a kid. I don't, I don't know. Um, here's where I disagree with you, though, Harrison. You say he could leave the Giants and uh, do well. I think if he can't make – here's the thing. If he cannot make it work with Brian Dable, who I think is a really good coach for quarterbacks, former Alabama offensive coordinator, a uh, guy who's worked with Bill Belichick, a guy who is a really good quarterback-friendly coach. If Daniel Jones can't make it work with Brian Dable, I don't imagine he's going to be able to go somewhere else and do well. So I disagree with you at the end, but I, I like your sentiment, and I, I totally think that um, – there's definitely still a chance he works out and, and maybe even become something special in New York. Davis writes in and says, the Colts were without a quarterback for a week and a half, which was the prime free agent signing time. Did the Colts miss out on a big game free agent because there was a big question mark at the most important position in football? Or is it because no free agent wants to play for a small market team like Indy? I don't think it's a small market thing. Uh, and by the way, I want to say this. The Colts did about as well as they could have by getting Matt Ryan. I mean, I, look, for them to ditch Carson Wentz, which was controversial and, and maybe the right thing. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that I love that, but whatever. The owner seemed to hate him. Getting Matt Ryan was awesome. So let's start there. Uh, now, I totally agree with you, though. I have no doubt it was a turnoff to big free agents that were out there. The uncertainty around the quarterback position was very unattractive if you're a guy who wants to win games. You're like, look, I, I, I know the NFL, man. You need a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, good luck. Look where Allen Robinson went. Went to L.A. with Matthew Stafford. Great quarterback. Uh, Jamison Crowder went to Buffalo to play with Josh Allen. Lyle Collins went to Cincinnati to play with Joe Burrow. J.C. Jackson went to L.A. to play with Justin Herbert. Like, it's not a coincidence that pretty much all the best available free agents went to a good team where they had a good quarterback. And in all those cases, like, arguably maybe an elite quarterback, like top 10 quarterbacks. And the fact that not only did the Colts not have an elite quarterback, they had no quarterback for that time. Certainly that hurt them, Davis. You're, You're right. Um there also was like, they weren't going to give massive amounts of money to some of the players that needed it. Um, but I, the Colts are in a very weird spot right now where they got Matthew Stafford. They're certainly not a terrible football team. But are they a playoff team? The, the AFC is absolutely loaded. I, I would, if the Colts were in the NFC South, I'd go, yeah, maybe that's a playoff team. But they're in the AFC South. Where there might be four playoff teams in the AFC West alone. Denver, Kansas City, L.A., Vegas. I mean, well, let's actually, let's talk about it for a second. Um, I'm going to skip a question. We'll come back to it. Nathan says, is it just me, Zach, or does the NFC suck? It'll shock me if an NFC team wins the Super Bowl next year. What NFC teams do you think even have a shot next year? Also, what team might dominate the AFC next year? In my opinion, it has to be the Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers are up there. Um, I think Buffalo's up there. Look at the AFC right now. The Bills, the Ravens, the Bengals, 
the entire AFC West, LA, Denver, Kansas City, the Raiders. Uh, the Patriots are interesting. Miami could be really good. Cleveland is interesting. The quarterbacks in the AFC, Josh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr. I feel like I could go on forever. It's crazy. So, yeah, the AFC is a much better conference than the NFC. Here's what I will say. The two teams that I think were the front runners to win the Super Bowl out of the NFC last year are still the front runners to make it to the Super Bowl again in the NFC. It's the Rams and it's Tampa. Tom Brady bringing back pretty much everybody in Tampa. In fact, Chris Godwin will actually be healthy this time. The Rams, uh, you know, Allen Robinson, Matthew Stafford, maybe not quite as good on defense, but also their entire conference is a bit taking a step backward. And I wouldn't say that you can count out the NFC entirely. So Tom Brady gets to the Super Bowl next year. You're telling me he can't win one game, even if the other team is a little bit better. Tom Brady as an underdog, I would still think has a, a shot. Same with LA. If you said LA and Buffalo, LA and <laughs> LA, the Chargers, or Tampa and, I don't know, Denver with Russell Wilson. Like, even if the AFC team is a little bit better, I don't really care who's better. You need to win one football game, and if things go your way, so I, don't th I think it's a bit silly to say the NFC has no shot to win a Super Bowl. I think I, I disagree with you on that. Uh, but certainly the AFC is much better than the NFC. You're, you're nailing that on the head. Uh, Noah writes in and says, Hey, Zach, after the NFC Conference Championship, many people, including myself, thought that this was the last chance Jimmy G would be on the 49ers. As Trey Lance gets his chance to be their franchise quarterback, I thought Jimmy G would fit perfectly with what the Steelers or Commanders needed as they were in the shop for a quarterback as well. However... Just like Baker Mayfield, nobody seems to want him. And it's kind of getting awkward now. Do you think there's a team that would want Jimmy? Or do you believe he's going to end up staying with the Niners, but as a backup to Trey Lance? Let me know what you have to say. I love the content you've put out, and I'm putting out now, uh, and will put out in the future. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, uh, Noah. Stay happy in Hawaii. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate you. Um, where will Jimmy Garoppolo end up? I think he probably stays in San Francisco, actually. Um, some unexpected stuff happened this offseason. No one expected the commanders would trade for Carson Wentz. Um, Tom Brady, unretired, he came back. I think Tampa was a good shot for you know, Jimmy Garoppolo to go. Uh, the Steelers chose Mitchell Trubisky instead of trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember, Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt. He can't throw till like, mid-June or something like that. Um, you know, Atlanta chose Marcus Mariota. Didn't see that coming. Indy traded for Matt Ryan. Like, we all thought the best guy available was Jimmy Garoppolo, and the NFL said we disagree. Like, we're just not interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. Which, it, I mean, when I look back at the stuff I've said about Jimmy Garoppolo for a long time, that does check out. He is kind of a, nah, he's fine. He's a fine quarterback who... um has limited potential, and I don't think people are interested in limited potential anymore at the quarterback position. Otherwise, Gardner Minshew would be a franchise quarterback, right? Because he can certainly win a game or two, but does he have a shot to ever become Josh Allen? No, so what are we doing here? 
Also, the quarterback position is a bit oversaturated right now in the NFL, especially we got an influx of quarterbacks coming in, and even in the next couple of years, the draft is pretty good. I mean, pretty much every NFL team right now has a quarterback that they either believe is their guy or believe could be their guy. There's only a couple teams, like Seattle doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, Pittsburgh doesn't have a quarterback, not really. You could argue that Atlanta, I love Marcus Mariota. They're not sure that Marcus Mariota's their guy long-term. Indy's going to need a quarterback eventually after Matt Ryan. I mean, I would. Ryan Tannehill might be one of the least um, secure quarterbacks in the NFL right now. He's making a lot of money, but when this gets really, really oversaturated, you're going to start seeing guys like Ryan Tannehill, like Jimmy Garoppolo, guys who have limited potential, lose their job to other people who have a higher ceiling. Because people don't want mediocrity, and they don't want to pay a lot of money for mediocrity. So keep your eye on that narrative that the NFL is getting oversaturated with the quarterback market. Uh, ENK writes in with a question. I don't know how to answer this, but I'm going to try. I'm not really going to try, actually. ENK says, hey, Zach, I just heard a comment from Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter about how everything he does is for his daughter. I found that really sweet, and now I'm rooting for him. My question is, do you think Ritter is an NFL quarterback, and do you think he could end up in the first round? I'm watching film right now with a guy. I like what I see. A lot of stuff that's good. A little bit of a limited potential. Like, he's not going to be Josh Allen. I heard him compared to Alex Smith recently. That's not a terrible comparison. Um, so, I, I, look, I can't really answer that question. Is he going to be an NFL quarterback? I'll talk to you again in, like, two weeks when the film analysis comes out. But for now, and by the way, I'm working on that. Part of why I've been gone for so long, I'm going through a personal crisis, reevaluating my life. But I'm also, like, watching film every day and, um, when my head was having a hard time and I was just really like having a hard time making content, I'm like, well, the one thing I can do is watch film. I love watching film. I've been doing that. Uh, so film analysis, I'm probably going to drop an episode. I'm not even going to tell you when it's coming. It's just going to come out, but it should be five quarterbacks. Um, the, the top five quarterbacks NFL draft should just drop out of nowhere. Unmonetized, can't make money on it. That's the whole story, but, uh, it'll come out soon. And that'll be fine. I hope you. I think. I hope you enjoy it. I am enjoying making it, and I'm at the kind of the point in my life where, as long as I enjoy making it, <laughs> that works for me. But yeah, his his relationship with his daughter is very sweet, and uh, I too find myself rooting for Desmond Ritter. Seems like a very likable person. He's you know went to Cincinnati. I think it's awesome. I love that city, and uh, I, I'm pulling for the guy. But it's very rare. Like, there's almost nobody I'm rooting against. In the world. I mean, who do I not like? Vladimir Putin. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's other bad people. Kanye West seems like he sucks. <laughs> Did I just pair Kanye to Vladimir Putin? Oh, my gosh. What is this show? Let's move on. Um, final topic of the day. Let's talk about Formula One. So, hey, you can leave if you want. Thank you, football people. I love you. Hope you, you know, you're awesome. I've been trying to watch baseball. I can't. I'm just not very interested. I it's just there's too much baseball, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to do a podcast with people eventually. Like, I, I reached out to people on Instagram, and they messaged me. I set up a meeting, and then I forgot their names, and I can't find them ever again. So I, don't, I might have to reach out again and be like, hey, who wants to do a, a baseball podcast? I want some people to come on. Um, that's a real story, by the way. I, forgot, I literally forgot the guy's name. And I'm like, I can't ever find him again. Holy, I could look through my DMs, but there's so many. I, oh, gosh. Um, I feel like I'm turning red. It's a little bit embarrassing. Um, let's talk about Formula One. Let's talk about the Australian Grand Prix. 
Uh, Charles Leclerc won. He also got fastest lap. In second place, you had Sergio Perez. Third place, George Russell. Happy for George Russell, by the way, because it's the second ever podium in Formula One, and it's really the first one he got from a real race. We had Spa last year where he got you know, in the, on the podium during qualifying, and then we only had really two laps, no overtaking. So um, no disrespect to George Russell. This is really his first podium in Formula One, a very special moment. I know it's not his official first on paper, but first one he like really, really, truly earned in an actual race with overtaking, and uh, I'm very, very happy for George Russell. Uh, the other Mercedes driver, Lewis Hamilton, got fourth. Lando Norris uh, was fifth. The other McLaren, Daniel Ricciardo, was in sixth. Esteban Ocon got seventh. Valtteri Bottas got eighth. Pierre Gasly and Alfa Tauri got ninth. And then, hey, former Red Bull driver Alex Albin got tenth for Williams. Wow. Shout out to Williams. Williams, I literally a couple episodes ago was talking about how um, I'd be surprised if they did anything noteworthy all year. They did it. Hey, let's throw a party. Williams, former the one, got a point in F1. I, well, that's awesome. cool to see. Good for them. Um, I'm not going to lie, though. We're at Albert Park in Melbourne, and uh, kind of a boring race. Like, sorry, wasn't the most exciting race. I mean, Charles Leclerc won easily. Um, and, and say what you want about the Middle East, but hey, Qatar and Saudi Arabia gave us two really good, interesting, exciting races, and Australia... Seems like an awesome place. I'd love to visit. No shade against them, but the race was not as good. Sorry, Albert Park. Um, there weren't many opportunities for overtakes. It kind of fell flat. That was a weird day for Ferrari because Charles Leclerc won easily. Um, you know, 26 points on the day for him. And three races in, it's very clear that Ferrari is the best team in Formula One right now. They're dominating the standings, but Carlos Sainz... Um, their number two driver had a weird and bad race. He qualified ninth. He fell back at the start, was in 14th at one point. Then on the very second lap of the race, he ran wide into the grass and then parked it in the gravel and got totally stuck and did not finish the race. Caused a safety car. It was bizarre. Uh, apparently, there was a problem with his steering wheel and uh, anti-stall was triggered, which led to him making a mistake. And, um, you know, he went off the track and went wide. So... That was weird. Ferrari has been dominating, and that was like a first time. I'm like, huh, that's a, that's a weird mishap for Ferrari. Then you got Max Verstappen, the Red Bull driver. He has won every race he has competed in and completed. Excuse me. Here, here's a, a true fact about Max Verstappen. Won every single race he has completed this year. Here's the problem. He's only completed one race all year. <laughs> one of three. He's won one, did not finish in two. Uh, on lap 39, Max was in second place. He smelled weird fluid uh, and shut off the engine. It was a safety concern. His car caught on fire. I'm sure if I looked it up, I could find out what fluid it was. I don't care enough. Uh, it was a safety issue. Shut off the engine. There was some fire. He had to, you know, they had to use a fire extinguisher to put it out. Reliability continues to be a concern for Red Bull. It's just a, it, their car is just constantly having problems. And, the result is that it's been helping Mercedes. I mean, Mercedes, look at the constructor stand. He's got Ferrari in first with 104 points. Then he got Mercedes in second right now in F1, even though they clearly have the third best car. They got 65 points. They're in second. Then Red Bull is 55 points in third. Mercedes, reliability is helping them somehow stay ahead of Red Bull. Like they, This is not a world where Mercedes has the 
second best car, but they are second in the standings because of Red Bull constantly getting in their own way. In fourth in the constructor standings, you got McLaren with 24 points. Then fifth is Alpine with 22 points. That battle, Alpine versus McLaren, is really fun and interesting. Uh, Alfa Romeo is in sixth with 13 points. Haas is in seventh with 12 points. Alfa Tauri in eighth with 10 points. Then you got Williams. Hey, Williams got a point. They're in ninth. And then only Aston Martin is left with zero points in Formula One. And Aston Martin has been a disaster so far this year. Look at just Sebastian Vettel alone. He did not finish the um, race in Australia. He crashed. He did not race in the first two races because of a Rona um, test that came up positive. It's all bad. He crashed in free practice three. Uh, he got fined for riding on a scooter at Australia. His car lost power during FP1. He didn't drive in FP2 at all. Um, then on top of that, Lance Stroll crashed during qualifying. I mean, what a horrible, horrendous weekend for Aston Martin. Maybe the worst uh, in the history of their team. Pretty easily, actually, I'm sure it was, because Aston Martin's pretty new to F1. Um in this current iteration. And I keep thinking about their former team principal, Otmar Safnauer. He left to Alpine to be their uh, team principal, and life is good for Otmar Safnauer. He benefited tremendously by leaving Aston Martin. And uh, Lawrence Stroll, the, the driver, the, the dad of the driver, Lance Stroll, the billionaire tycoon evil villain. He looks like an evil villain. Look up, Lance, look up Lawrence Stroll. He, he looks like a guy out of a comic book. Like he's got this creepy face and the white hair. And um, Anyway, this supervillain, Lawrence Stroll, is in control of Aston Martin, and uh, it appears like he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> it's not working. It's not good. And uh, they are last in F1, and they're, they're appeared to just have no chance of it at all. I mean, the fact that Williams looks more competent than Aston Martin, says a lot about Aston Martin. Here are the driver standings now in Formula One. Uh, Charles Leclerc leads F1 with 71 points. Then you got uh, George Russell in second. What a, a goes to Mercedes now second in F1 after three races, got 37 points. Carlos Sainz is in third with 33 points. Uh, Sergio Perez has 30 points. He is in fourth. Lewis Hamilton, the Mercedes driver many time world champion is in 30 is in uh, fifth place with 28 points. And then Max Verstappen, the reigning world champion is in sixth place right now uh, with a lone race win in Saudi Arabia. Other than that two, you know, did not finish in, uh, he's, he's finished one of three races all year. He won the one he did finish, but he can't appear to finish a race. Got 25 points. He's in sixth place right now. Um, coming up, I got Imola. The next race in Formula One will be Sunday, April 24th at uh, Ferrari's home track. Imola should be fun. I cannot wait. And uh, those are my thoughts on the Australian Grand Prix. Let me know. I'm, I'm very curious. I did not think it was a particularly good race. It was like, ah, yeah, when I look back on this year, I'm not going to remember that. Like, I'm going to remember Saudi Arabia, that finish between Max and Charles Leclerc, even the first race of the year in Qatar. Like, that was a fun battle. You know, Max had to retire, but... We had great wheel-to-wheel racing with Max and Charles Leclerc. This one, and I, and I don't know that uh, maybe if Max hadn't had, to, you know, hadn't had engine failure, maybe it would have been more interesting at the end. I don't know if it's Albert Park's fault or not, but really there wasn't very many opportunities for overtaking, and that, that was very um, 
does not. Just let me know. What, what did you think of the Australian Grand Prix? I, I didn't love it that much. I think it's going to be one that we don't look back on the year and go, oh, yeah, Albert Park. We're going to go, I forgot what happened there. Oh, Charlotte Leclerc won? Yeah, that's right. He won easily. Wasn't very interesting. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Um, am I alone in that thought? That the Australian Grand Prix was kind of, eh, that's fine. All right, guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. We're back, baby. It took me like, I've been dealing with mental health. I talk about it on my other podcast, uh, Zach Schaumler Talking. Check it out if you want. Um, but I got, I got good ideas. I'm excited for the next couple of weeks. We got a lot of content. Uh, on the 20th of April, my dad is coming. We are going to the Big Island of Hawaii. Very excited. Going to scout it out. I might live there someday. Going to see if it's what it's cracked. I, I have this mythical idea of the Big Island. I'm going to go see if it's cool or not. Uh, so I won't be doing episodes for about eight days there. So uh, between now and then, look for an episode with a, a breakdown of the quarterbacks. Look for um, some stuff about things I'm excited for for next year. Well, I got a lot of good stuff ahead. I love you. I appreciate you. I uh, hope you're doing well. And uh, make sure you tell the people in your life you love them because, man, I, I, it was just honestly, in a weird way, um, Dwayne Haskins dying was just, it shook me awake a little bit. It really reminded me, you got to make the most of every opportunity you got, whether it's your sports podcast, whether it's you got a month left in Hawaii, you want to enjoy it, you're with a girl, have a good date, whatever, like make the most of life. And uh, if you can learn something from Dwayne Haskins' death, take that away. It's very tragic. It's very sad. And uh, life is short, man. Don't waste it. Love you. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Bam, we are.